Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O and be sure to add our podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. Hello. Hey. Uh, when this gets released, school will finally be over. I, f- I did it. Hell yeah. The longest school year. I was going to say, you made it through school years. the school year of 20 quarantine to 20 quarantine. It's the worst. I'm glad it's done. Now I have to get my license renewed. Now that I don't have school and I'm not like, I don't want to waste a day on Saturday to get my license. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, everyone. They're like, what, what? We don't care. Hello, everyone. Um, there's not much new for me. <laughs> That's about it. School has started. I've started to actually read a fucking hey. book, which is pretty rare for me. Um, what are you reading? I'm reading um, Mexican Gothic. It's by um, Silvia Morena Garcia. That's who it's by. By, so it's kind of a spooky um, fiction book about like creepy things happening, and nobody believes the main character. And you know, it's a Queers for Fears episode, essentially. I think they're making it into. I want to say a series, maybe. Something. Some streaming. Oh, sorry. You need to bleep the streaming service, Marvin. They're not paying us. They're making it into a streaming service series. Um, so I wanted to read it before then. I'm also drinking New Glarus because we went to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So jealous. Yesterday. I, think I just had like some in my fridge from when I went up to see my family over a... Uh... Memorial Day weekend, and like now it's all gone, and it's very sad. Well, I I tried to bribe you to come over here with New Glarus. <laughs> it's like we have spotted cow, if you want. I tried, but I'll probably have. I mean, I I I bought a big container of it. So next time you're here, I'll make sure you have one. Hell yeah, if you want. Hell yeah, I'm not gonna force. I'm not gonna be like take this. Voice delicious cow. beer upon me. What a terrible fate. What a terrible best friend I am. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, okay, so. What did I want to do? I don't know. It's been so long since we recorded. It hasn't been that long, but it feels like a long time. <laughs> time has, like, been especially uh-huh. fake these last few months with Academy and my schedule uh-huh. changing all the time. And I keep I keep thinking it's, like, still March or April, and it's definitely almost july and i'm like that's not possible (laughs) nope incorrect i um
Um, what was I going to say? I had one more thing. The fly is still here. Um, <laughs> if, you listen, if you listen last week, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone else is like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is in my apartment. Uh, <laughs> if you get that reference, message me on Instagram because we should be friends. Anyway. Are you ready to talk about a ridiculous serial killer? Yes. This is the, the Queers, Queers for, for Fears, Fears podcast. podcast. I definitely have a mosquito bite right here, like right under my nail, like oh. on my first knuckle. It's the worst. I Sorry. hate it when they. I hate it when they bite your fingers because it's it's kind of hard to scratch your finger. It is. It is a really. It is a really. I'm like kind of awkwardly rubbing it on my couch cushion because my couch cushions are textured that they kind of itch. That's all you can do when it's you in know a what weird I mean? spot like that. Yeah. I'm like. Anyway, Ugh, that's the worst. The worst is when, because I've gotten ones like between my fingers before and I'm like, really, guy? Really? <laughs> I hate it when you get them on your toes. Ooh, no. That has happened to me at least twice. That is the worst. Because then you're just like walking around like tra- like dragging it over a carpet like. <laughs> <laughs> Sound off in the comments. Where the most awkward place has been that you've gotten a mosquito bite, everybody. All right. Anyway, this is the podcast that doesn't talk about mosquito bites, but we do talk about uh, the things in life that scare us, whether they're based in real life or the paranormal. And today we're going to talk about a serial killer, um, our first lady serial killer of the podcast. So that's... I don't know. Equality. Not the representation we were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, equality? Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's do it. Apologies in advance for um, attempting to pronounce these names. All these people. Are they French are again? No, they're Norwegian. Girl. Okay. <laughs> Abby's like, I can't pronounce French, so let's go for Norwegian. <laughs> Um, okay, so my sources for this were a Bailey Syrian uh, murder mystery and makeup Monday video on YouTube, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Pedialyte. Oh, she didn't do it. Pedialyte. The Time Suck podcast, um, a sci fi article, sci fi.com uh, article, and the Laporte, Indiana Historical Society Museum page. So those are all the places that I pulled from. Um, this is what one of my beloved podcasts that I love listening to issues an old-timey disclaimer, which essentially means that there are conflicting reports about this murder. Um, there are inaccurate things about this pa- thing because people just wanted to sell newspapers. So this is one version of the story that I have heard 
and I tried to fact check it and make sure that multiple sources gave each of these details uh, before I wrote it down. So if you've heard it differently, old timey disclaimer, man. Nobody wrote shit down. Nobody cared what they published. You know. When you said old timey disclaimer, I was imagining like a content warning, but like old timey, like. <laughs> Verily, I declare unto thee that there be some upsetting content. There's gonna be some violence if you not see, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, okay. what the heck? Alright, so Brynhild paused at her Storset was born... The face... It, it's the face reaction for me. Was born... <laughs> I just... No- those sounds, like, rolled across my brain, and immediately <laughs> I was like, I could not repeat that back to her if I tried. Brin Brinhilda, Brinhild. Okay. Paul's daughter. Okay. Storset. Okay. Okay. Uh, she was born November eleventh, eighteen fifty-nine. Maybe who knows? Nineteenth <laughs> century. Am I right? In uh, in a small rural district called Selbu, Norway, which is a few miles uh, north of oslo which is the capital of norway in case you don't know that (laughs) in case you never watched uh animaniacs or whatever did they do a capitals of the world song on animaniacs or just countries of the world and capitals of the u.s i think they i think they the second one Hmm. animaniacs get on it i was like yes and then i was like that's not answering her question (laughs) 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 okay so today, there are 4,000 people that live in Selbu, and during um, Brynhild's time there, there were only about 400 people. Most of them are fishermen. Uh, she was a Scorpio, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, I mean, I didn't find a whole lot of information on her early life, her childhood, but I do know that her parents were Paul... Um, who was a sharecropper and a stonemason, and Barrett Storset. And she was the youngest of eight children. Oh, man. No, thank you. I literally wrote in my note, in my notes, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> she, she was raised Lutheran, because, you know, it's, it's Norway. And the Storsets lived on a farm, Storset Farm, aptly named. And for the most part, they were they were pretty poor. They, um, uh, Brynhild, I mean, sharecropper, stonemason isn't a, the high role in lifestyle. It sounds it's like it's not. It's not. Um, they had it was mostly a livestock farm situation, I think. And then they had a small garden to support the ten of the ten of them. Um, oh my gosh. They used, they could not afford uh, real firewood, so they used twigs for firewood. Um, uh, and so um, Brynhild earned the name Twig Daughter uh, in Norwegian, but I'm not going to try to repeat how to say Twig Daughter in Norwegian. It's not important, but it's kind of mean. So there's also not um, super attractive, like pretty early on, people were like, wow, that little girl is not very attractive. Um, when frowning, she was described Patriarchy, as... Patriarchy, am I right? Yeah, uh-huh. When frowning, she was described as looking like, quote, a toad. So, uh... <laughs> Same. 
that's the thing that happens. Um, it's me Ellie... squinting into the mirror first thing in the morning. A toad. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture of this woman and you can sound off if she actually looks like a toad. Yeah, it's her. Oh, man. Yeah. Not... Mm. Not great with the with the way her face is facing, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's... Just like... It's a... Yeah. It's a late 19th century photograph. Nobody photographed well in the 19th century. Right. She just... Like, she, she just had to sit up- still forever. She looks unimpressed. She does. She looks upset and kind of doughy. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to make, like, an angry cookie. She... She was like a, a plus size woman. The everyone else says much meaner things than that about her. But you know, so she, you know, she has a certain figure. But she was strong as fuck, which we'll get to later, and that's exciting. Anyway, uh, you can check out this photo at queersforfears.com. Anyway, she, like I said, she worked really hard on the farm growing up, so she was physically strong from all of that work. Um, she had been confirmed from a Lutheran church, and some church pastors said that she had extensive knowledge of the Bible. Don't all serial killers, though. I mean. <laughs> um, at the age of 14, Brynhild had really big dreams. She started milking and herding cows for money on neighboring farms. And some neighbors said that she was a hardworking, obedient, and God-fearing uh, child. I don't know how you know someone is God-fearing. I don't know. Like, mm. <laughs> People say God and you go, ah! <laughs> That's my metric. There's what you can do at your next party to find out who's <laughs> God-fearing. Just shout God into the room. Yeah. Oh, my so God. <gasps> is he here? <laughs> it's the rapture! Quick, get burned out of the house before God comes! <laughs> it's always my really very low effort jokes that get her i appreciate it this is why we've been friends for so long (laughs) is he here how do i look is there spinach in my teeth (laughs) you know he said he had a father of a kid but he didn't have sex with that woman and i don't believe him anyway (laughs) now that i'm going to hell let's keep going catholics don't weigh in on the immaculate Um, conception (laughs) And then still other neighbors said that she was a liar, a scum on society, and full of dirty tricks. Wow. Not to be dramatic, but we all know a kid like this. Like a kid who, (laughs) right? Like we all knew a kid growing up who was a total shit, but like could turn on the charm for the parents. And it would be like, oh, that's, there's such a nice young man or woman or what what have you. And yeah. And then they were like (laughs) fucking kicking in the dick the first chance they got. Worst. (laughs) The worst. And then spit on you. <laughs> yeah. Man, that kid that's... You know the, about the time that uh, Brett Napwalk, you tried to spit on me from the bus and he had to ride in the front seat of the school bus for the rest of the school year? No. That kid was a prick. You can't just fucking spit on that people. Kid was, that kid was a prick. Maybe bleep his last name. <laughs> I don't know. What I don't do give you, a fuck. I don't, I don't even... Okay, if you don't care, I don't care. <laughs> Brett Napawaki, I'm sure you grew up to be a fine young man, but you were kind of a turd. 
What if I Googled him and he was, like, in prison for, like, assault or something? I'm pretty sure he's, like, a physical therapist or, like, a doctor or something, like, extremely respectable. I, like, looked him up on Facebook once and I was like, how dare you? You're supposed to be a scumbag forever. (laughs) You should write a bad Yelp review. Spat on me once in ninth grade. (laughs) Would not recommend. Zero stars. Uh, Okay. So, anyway... Brynhild had a really big goal, and she was doing all this work on neighboring farms because she wanted to save up money to buy a ticket to a country where white immigrants have almost always been welcome, the U.S. of A. Uh, And so in in 1870, yeah, she's Norwegian, so she's not threatening, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's not my (laughs) opinion. That's the opinion of this godforsaken company. Com- uh, country. I almost said company, but it's really the same, isn't it? Anyway. In 1877, Belle Gunnis fell pregnant out of well- wedlock. Fell pregnant is like my favorite phrase, I think. Um, <laughs> like you just tripped. <laughs> like you just like slipped on a banana peel and you were like, oh no! <laughs> like a big stomach. Yeah. Um, but there are several versions of what happened to Belle during this pregnancy, and I do want to issue um, a content warning for pregnancy loss um, and DV. So skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear me explain this. Um, but one t- one retelling of what happened uh, is that when she was pregnant, she went to a dance, and at a dance, she was attacked by a man, presumably who she denied his advances. And the man angrily assaulted her by kicking her in the stomach, causing her to lose the baby. Um, this God. man was never, yeah, this man was never prosecuted because he was a wealthy individual. This is 1877, mind you. It's the Z same shocked. fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in another version, she worked for someone that owned land and they had sexual relations while she was working for this person. And he deliberately uh, beat her in an effort to make her lose the baby. So the common thread in both versions of this awful story is that she was pregnant, she lost the baby, and the man that did this to her was not punished or brought into, you know, uh, questioning or anything. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. So, um, finally, in 1881... So she was what? Hang on, let me do math. <laughs> oh, no. Like, oh, no. I thought I heard her noise. Uh, so she was like 22, like early 20s. Mm-hmm. So by 1870, uh, 1881, sorry, I was looking at my other notes. Um, she had finally earned enough money to go to the United States, and she bought a ticket for the four-day journey Across the ocean to New York. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like fun, but not probably in the uh, cabin that no, she was staying in. Not in 1881. They not were in like, steerage. Yeah. yeah, meals were provided. It was really cramped. Everything smelled disgusting, and uh, it was awful, was basically the general sentiment she had about the trip. So. Yeah, fair enough. Zero stars um, would not recommend. Yeah, bad Yelp review. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> spat on her while she was on the boat. <laughs> um, so upon reaching New York's Castle Garden, um, Brynhild changed her name. Thank goodness. 
to Bell to <laughs> Bell Peterson. Um, I don't know if she changed it or if someone that because this often happened to if the person trying to write down her name was just like, we're Fuck just this. gonna call you Bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe it was actually Bella, and then later in life she just took on Bell as her persona, but. I'm just going to call her Belle because that's what she's known for, like, the rest of her life. Um, she then went to Chicago, which at the time was the third largest Norwegian settlement of the United States, to be with her sister, who was, I think, 30-something, 30, 30 31 or 32. Um, her name was Nellie Larson, and uh, she also moved in with her brother-in-law. And in Chicago, there were, at this time, there were about, like, 20,000 Norwegian people. Um, there were newspapers in Norwegian, schools conducted in Norwegian, uh, church services held in Norwegian. Um, so it was a just pretty thriving community. Um, this was actually the third largest after German and an Irish immigrants, of course, um, immigrant group in the city of Chicago, which I did not know, but it makes sense because hello, Andersonville. Uh, <laughs> I know it's Swedish. I know that's Swedish. Don't at me. But I'm just saying as an example. Okay, I get it. Anyway. Um, at first, Val worked as a domestic servant, and then eventually she worked as a butcher. Um, but Nellie, her sister, would say, I know, it was a big career change. Auspicious start <laughs> to um, serial killer. I mean, yeah, if you're, but if, you're, if you have had experience working on a farm, you know how to That is a natural that. segue, yeah. yeah it's... Um, so Belle, as a domestic servant, like fell in love with the lifestyle of her employer. And <laughs> Nellie would later say, quote, Belle was crazy for money. It was her great weakness. She would do anything to get it. End quote. Ominous. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> um, so Belle... Excuse me, I had a burp. <laughs> Belle never seemed interested in men, just their wallets. Same, am I right, ladies? <laughs> Girl, what, what has changed? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Of course I'm kidding. Um, so two years later, she works. Uh, she meets a man who worked as a night watchman. His name is Mass. Mass Albert Sorensen. And the two get married. I looked up how to pronounce his name. It's spelled M-A-D-S, but it's pronounced Mass in Norwegian. Hmm. The D is silent. LOL, LOL, LOL. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that, Belle. <laughs> uh, two years later, she meets a man who works as a night watchman named Mass Albert Sorensen. The two get married. He's her starter husband. Spoiler alert. Uh, Bell said, quote, I stayed with him only because he provided me with a nice house, end quote. Fun fact, Bell had a niece named Olga, who was Nellie's daughter. And at this time when she was married to Mass, Bell, was, Bell and Mass were experiencing um, some, some issues conceiving. And so they oh, No, the wanted... D was silent. It was shooting blanks. <laughs> And direct your comments toward Ellie for that remark. <laughs> I'm staying out of it. Um, but uh, she, Belle was like, 
hey, Nellie, we can adopt Olga and just raise her as our own. And Olga was like four, I think, at this time. And Nellie was like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) You can't just have my my child. child. Yeah, I'm not just going to give you my child. And Belle was really pissed off about this. And the two (laughs) sisters never spoke again. Really? Yeah. That's the hill you're going to die on? Give me your child or else? Yeah. I was like. I mean, Nellie, like, Nellie carried that crotch goblin around for nine months and birthed her. And now she's four, which is, like, the exact age I want to skip to when I have a child. Right? When they, like, I don't need to wipe their butt or anything. Like, they're four. They can figure it out. (laughs) You know? I don't know. Anyway. Um, but together, Mass and Val decided to take their marriage... To the next level. Do you have any guesses on what they did to bring their marriage to the next level? Kill somebody. Oh, that's a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> they I mean, decided. Just the trajectory we're on, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to open a candy shop. I can't be sure, but I imagine she seduced Mass into this business agreement by offering to lick the lollipop. <laughs> I was like, please tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, the silent lollipop. Anyway, business wasn't going uh, well at this candy shop after a while. Um, Belle and Mass were both in the red. The neighbors also started, like, gossiping about Belle because uh, here's another warning for infanticide because that's just who I am as a person, and I, like, bringing this up, apparently. Um, it's better than the bestiality kick of a couple months ago. <laughs> Is it though? Um, actually, yeah, you know what? I don't know. I'll think about that. <laughs> don't quote me on uh, that. Okay. So, um, two babies passed away in um, Bell and Mass's home from colitis, which is just like an inflammation of the large intestine. Yeah. Um, but it should also be noted that this can also happen due to poisoning. Just saying. And conveniently, this particular cause of death was covered by insurance policies that Belle had taken out on both the children. And she collected a pretty sizable insurance check after the death of these children. Hmm. Neighbors gossiped about these babies, especially because Belle had never appeared to be pregnant. And I feel like in in like 19th century clothing and like the styles of the clothing, it would be really hard to hide being pregnant for that long, especially if you own a shop, right? Yeah. Like you have to, like you have to be the one working there. Like you probably don't have another employee. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. So less than a year after opening, something terrible happened, Deli. There was a fire, and the candy shop burned to the ground no insurance officials investigated you know they were like was this arson was this like what was the cause of this because they didn't want to like shout out money if it was arson obviously um they didn't see proof that like a fire was started by like an accelerant or anything and so they paid out the insurance for the candy shop 
And Belle had told them, she was like, I'm pretty sure this kerosene lamp, lamp exploded. And um, they never found remains of the lamp, but the insurance company was like, well, we don't think it's arson, so here, take money. And, uh, you know, that that's that. <laughs> um, they paid her some money for that. They they Then Bell and Mass then moved to the Austin neighborhood of Chicago. They bought a three-story house with the insurance payout to start anew. Once they were there, they had um, a couple of more a couple more children together. So their kids that passed away um, from colitis or possible poisoning were Caroline and Axel, and then so they had Myrtle and they had Lucy that were still with them, and they also had a foster daughter, which I couldn't find where the hell she came from, but her name was Jenny. Hmm. So we'll talk about Jenny later. Okay, here's where we get suspicious. Let's, Let's get, get suspicious. suspicious. Let's get suspicious. suspicious. Yeah. Um, so, Sorensen had taken out another insurance policy to replace the one he already had. So, apparently, he got um, a new job with, like, a mining company, I believe. And so, part of his package for this mining company, since mining is obviously a pretty dangerous job... Um, was that he got a pretty awesome new life insurance policy. And so he had a two-day window where both of these insurance policies were active at the same time. Oh, no. So his former life... You already know where this is going. (laughs) Bye, boo. (laughs) former life insurance policy and then this new policy had like a two-day window of where they were both effective and you would have gotten money from a death from both policies right so you mm-hmm. already know where this is going mm-hmm. mass unfortunately just dies on one of these days yep like nice knowing you buddy mm-hmm. bell was questioned and said that he had came, he had come home from work and he said that he had an awful headache and he just wanted to lie down and so Belle gave him some quinine powder, which, you know, she had just thrown away and couldn't procure any for the police to look at when <laughs> they came to investigate. And so she, for the pain, she let him rest. And then when she went back to check on him, he was dead. I hate when that happens. We just, you know. Doctors would say that Mass had, suff- had died of a heart of heart failure um, because the doctor kind of investigating this was also seeing him because he had an enlarged heart. So Wikipedia says it was a cerebral hemorrhage. Guess we'll never know. Old tiny disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah. It should be noted, however, that Bell's alleged like trademark tactic to kill people, stereotypically women poison their victims. Mm -hmm. Um, and Belle's signature move was to poison her victims with strychnine. And brain hemorrhage and heart failure are both symptoms of strychnine poisoning. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Um, his relatives were like, we don't believe you. We think Belle poisoned him. We think Belle did this. And because they were like, he's a really healthy guy. He's living a healthy lifestyle. Even though he has this enlarged heart, he's being really careful. He's taking care of himself. Things just aren't uh, adding up. And this is when the family discovers that Belle would collect on both insurance policies. She collected around $5,000 the day after he died. 
and adjusted for inflation because you know I did it. In 2021 dollars, that's about $150,000. Whoa. Don't be suspicious. Don't, Don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. Dead husband riches. Dead husband <laughs> riches. <laughs> uh, so Maz's family asked for this body to be exhumed, and Belle was distraught. Uh, in the meantime, while all this was happening, she lost her business in a fire, Ellie. And now... <laughs> and her husband. People are digging up the evidence. Yeah. And then... And then, after her husband died, and after the candy shop died, uh, like burned down, wouldn't you know it, her family home burned down to the Damn. ground. What a rash of bad luck. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just crazy how these things happen in threes sometimes, right? <laughs> so, the insurance company was like, um, and they... They questioned Belle. They look around. They didn't find any proof of fraud. So they paid out the insurance claim on this house in the Austin neighborhood. Well. And so after losing everything and getting questioned by a lot of people that suspected something was rotten in Denmark. Wait, Norway. I mean, Norway. (laughs) (laughs) Belle decided that she was going to have a fresh start. So Belle moved to a farm in LaPorte, Indiana with her two biological children and Jenny, the foster child that she had. She named the farm. uh, Eventually she named the farm Gunnis farm because a few months later she would marry a man named Peter Gunnis. So Belle Gunnis, that's what she's known for, uh, known as rather um, when you do research on her. Who she scandalously had met while she was married to Maz. Uh, the two of them opened a market together. Peter had been married uh, previously, but his first wife had passed away in uh, childbirth. And I think the child also passed away, if I remember correctly. Um, Peter is described as a fine-looking Viking with light blue <laughs> eyes and blonde hair. Described by whom? You? I don't... That's what... That's... What I, no, the podcast that I listened to about this guy. Oh, okay. Or about Belle. I'm like, I'm sure so that wasn't on Wikipedia. <laughs> that bo- that podcast. Okay. And uh, sales weren't doing very well at this market. Peter, and then one day, wouldn't you know it, Peter was organizing a shelf one day in, in the kitchen because they had like a butcher shop in the market. And wouldn't you know it, Ellie, a meat grinder suddenly just fell off the shelf onto Peter's head. Ah! And uh, in medical terms, it crushed his fucking skull in. I was like, it landed on his... I was imagining this was going to be like, it landed on his foot and then he couldn't work and Belle decided that he was no longer useful to her and, <laughs> and did him in. But no, she just went went straight for the, the yeah. fucking skull. Yeah. She just hit him over the head. Did um, I ever tell you about the time that an iron fell on my head? Like a cartoon character? Seriously. I was trying to get something out of my closet in my old apartment, and I kept the iron on the top shelf, and it fucking fell and hit me on the head. Ow, that sounds like it really hurt. It really did hurt. And it was a shitty iron, too, so eventually I just threw it away, and I was like, I'm getting the last laugh now. (laughs) Take that, you stupid iron. (laughs) Um... They said iron is supposed to be good for you. Okay, anyway. Um, good night, everybody. Uh, <laughs> so, 
you know, gravity, am I right? It's just the worst. <laughs> um, his nose, weirdly, was also broken, though. So, like, if something... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did it? So, did it, like, hit him in the face? Like, was he looking up and it landed on his nose? Or... I mean, I don't... None of these were accidents. Belle burned all these properties down. She poisoned her first husband. This guy, she probably bludgeoned him. Hmm. Like, it's very... He fell into my knife. He fell into my knife ten times. <laughs> yeah, similar, similar vibes. Um, Because she gave this bogus story that, like, he was actually fine after all of this happened. <laughs> and he went to lay down for a minute. And he didn't make it to the bedroom or whatever because he was just, like, face down in the parlor bleeding out. And huh. she was like, yeah. And also, like, a bull on the stove fell and burned him, but they couldn't find any burn marks on him. So they were like, why did you just make up this detail to add to this story? Yeah, why did you throw that? It's not like <clears throat> like the fucking meat grinder falling on his head definitely killed him. You don't have to also make up something else that didn't kill him and obviously yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Like, she just, and like, but honey, irregardless, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that you just let someone go lay down and go to sleep with like a bloody head wound. Like yeah, that. just like, oh yeah, take a nap, like walk it off, like, see if you feel better. I have no medical experience, no medical degree. I know if someone gets a head injury, the last thing they should be doing is going to fucking sleep. Yeah. Like that's not a good that's not, not a good what idea to do. Yeah. So it was obviously it was obvious that someone had bludgeoned him and that this thing hadn't fallen, right? Mm -hmm. Belle told the jury, she told uh, a lawyer what happened. There was no proof otherwise that she was the one that did it. And people were like, really like, oh, but she's a woman. Oh, hmm, you know, <laughs> type of thing. And Peter's death was ruled an accident. So she got away with it. And the insurance, the life insurance this time paid her $4,000, about $130,000 130, in 2021. Um, so she's by this point, she's possibly killed four people. Her first husband, her second husband, and then those two infants. Jeez. In 1903, after um, Peter's death, her son, Philip, and third child. Philip is born, but there's no evidence of him being born. Okay, this is very like, wait, So who says he was born? Listen, just listen. So he, there's a record. There's no, again, no record of anyone seeing her pregnant. Mm -hmm. Okay. The midwife said that by the time someone had sent for the midwife, the baby was already born, cleaned off, fine, large. Okay. Okay. And a neighbor remembered seeing Belle up and about, like, getting water from a well or something and was like, didn't you just have a fucking baby? And Belle was like, <laughs> Belle was like that's a direct quote from the neighbor, <laughs> by the way. And Belle, and Belle was like, oh, in the old country, the women never go to bed after giving birth. Bet. Some Protestant work ethic. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit if I ever heard it. Um, this, but the very same day that she was alleged to have this kid, she was out like getting water from the well and people were like, um, so like maybe she stole this baby. Maybe she bought this baby. 
during this time in history, there were all sorts of things that, you know, you could just buy a baby because literally people's jobs were to have babies. Mm-hmm. Um, like baby farming. Is that what it's called? Baby farming. Yes. <laughs> crass. It's a crass term for it, but. Or they thought maybe she kidnapped someone. So who knows? Um, and like also during the trial and the questioning, the newspaper did not mention her being pregnant. And I feel like based on every single murder case that we've talked about from a similar time period, that is always mentioned because it's a way to gain sympathy from people mm-hmm. in the court, you know? So after, um, Peter died, allegedly Jenny, who was about 14, 13, um, at this time, told a friend, my mama killed my papa, don't tell anyone. Um. But later, Jenny told police that she was too scared to testify. She was too afraid to do that. And we'll find out why in just a fucking moment. So after Peter's death, Belle had to support herself, her three children, Philip, Myrtle, and Lucy, and the adopted teenager I've already mentioned, Jenny Larson. She had a lot on her plate. She did all the work that the men usually do. She would go to livestock shows and, like, walk through the mud while the wives of farmers looked on in horror at her, like, getting dirty and stuff. (laughs) She also would just, like, buy 200-pound pigs that she would just, like, put into the carriage like it was a bag of laundry. Like, just (laughs) shoop. Right, like very much like tall tale probably vibes, but she was a strong lady and everyone knew that she was strong. And then, wouldn't you know it, in uh, 1906, Jenny went missing. Oh, great. Just, uh, I, every time you're like, and Jenny, I'm like, what is going to fucking happen to Jenny? She's just kind of <laughs> stapled on to this family. Authorities went out to the farm to investigate her disappearance and Val told authorities, she was like, oh, you know, she went to Los Angeles to finish her education. Good for her. Good for her. We stand. An interesting uh, woman. <laughs> Cops are like, okay, sure. And like Belle talked with such confidence and sort of like sternly, especially for a woman back then, that people just like took her word on everything. <laughs> and so according to the LaPorte County Historical Society, soon after Peter's death, Bell began submitting ads to three weekly Norwegian language pr- newspapers throughout the Midwest. And these ads were basically asking for, like, a good and reliable man to become her partner in her farm. Um, she was looking for a farmhand, basically. She was like, this is a lot of work to do by myself. I also have, you know, four kids I got to feed. Like, I need some help. And so the first she... ever FarmersOnly.com posting. <laughs> Um, it is unknown, like, how many men exactly actually corresponded with her, but there were a lot of men who could not resist the invitation, and they came to Laporte to visit Belle on her farm. One of the visitors was Andrew, oh, Lord Jesus, take the wheel, Andrew Helgelian. Okay. H-E-L-G-E-L-I-E-N. Yeah, he I've was a, got nothing he was for you. Yeah, he was a Norwegian farmer from Aberdeen, South Dakota. And so Belle had, sev- had several hired men who helped with work on her farm over the years. 
Um, most notably, we'll come back to him in just a moment. Ray Lemfear was hired in uh, 1907, and Ray like hoped to marry Belle and become partner in the farm. He loved her, whatever. In January of 1908, 19- oh, what is love, baby? Don't <laughs> Unwise, <yet>. but okay. <laughs> um. In 1908, that's when Andrew Halgen came to Laporte to visit Belle for a couple weeks. Ray was super jealous of Andrew. (coughs) After two weeks with Belle, Andrew had some money sent from his bank account from Aberdeen to the First National Bank in Laporte. And uh, Andrew and Belle went in to cash the check. Although the bank and Andrew suggested she keep some of the money in the bank for safety, Belle took it all in cash, and Andrew was gone the next day. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, When he did not return home from South Dakota, Andrew's brother, Asla? Okay. A-S-L-E. I'm so sorry, Norway. Um, Helgelian became concerned. And after finding some letters from between of correspondence between Andrew and Bell, he wrote to Bell and the bank asking about Andrew. And the bank confirmed that he had been there. And Bell said that he had left. I think she said that he went. He like took his money and went back to Norway. I don't know. And by Norway, I mean heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Bell continued to what is the Norwegian heaven? called i don't know you thinking of like valhalla or something like that i probably was yeah i don't know i've already offended norwegians enough in this episode um so bell bell continued feeling lonely after her second husband had passed and she also needed more help around the farm she needed a man's touch (laughs) on the farm and also probably on her body so she puts out a personal ad, and this one's more romantic sounding than the other one looking for farmhands. Are you ready for this ad? Yeah. I don't think you're ready. Try it's me. so good. Okay. Um, I Another idea for a Tinder bio to those of you that are on Tinder. <laughs> personal. Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. That's a big Tinder mood. No replies (laughs) considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Thank you, Belle. First Tinder bio ever. She said triflers need not apply. <laughs> That's a mood. I've said this for years. There should be a Tinder for people who want dates and a Tinder for people who just want attention. Yep. Um, so suitors started showing up for scheduled visits to the farm, like John Moe of Minnesota. He, um, and some, like John Moe from Minnesota, brought cash to prove their worth to the widow. Uh-oh. And weirdly... Mo went missing after his visit, and he was never to be heard from again. Rip John Mo from Minnesota. Another man named jo- uh, George Anderson came from Missouri to meet Belle, and over a lovely get-to-know-you dinner, she confessed her troubles in making her mortgage payments. And aiming to impress, Anderson said that he would pay off her mortgage if they decided to wed. 
Much like Shania Twain, however, that didn't impress Bell much. One article says, quote, hours later after dinner, Anderson awoke to a fright. Bell stood above him while he slept, her face lit by a sputtering candle. She was transformed, no longer warm and welcoming. Her features were twisted into a countenance of hatred and disgust. When she saw that he was awake, she ran from the room. Then he fled from the farm, a decision that saved his skin and his fortune. End quote. Yikes. Can you imagine waking up? Okay, first of all, I am picturing Kathy Bates in, Amer- in uh, American Horror Story. Horror yeah. Story. Yeah, that's who I'm picturing with, like, a candle. Just like, scowling when she's, at you. When she's uh, the racist lady in the coven mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> But, like, wouldn't it be perfect if she played Balganis in a movie? I don't know. I would Let watch know. that. Everybody. I would watch a shit out of that. This is a crazy story. Um, In between suitors, Belle was spending her money on large wooden trunks, which one delivery man said that she was able to heft on her onto her shoulders as if they were, quote, boxes of marshmallows. <laughs> I love how everybody Neighbors. is, like, weirdly mesmerized by how beefy and strong <laughs> this lady is. I know, right? Neighbors also began to notice Belle digging in her hog pen at night. Uh-oh. We're not rolling still, the hay. We're digging in the hog pen. <laughs> still, the men continued to woo Belle. They signed over deeds, handed over bank accounts, checks, cash, and then they would vanish into thin air. And her neighbors would ask her, like, why are you digging holes in the hog pens? And Belle would be like, oh, they're rubbish holes. What? I mean, what? men are trash. <laughs> they are technically rubbish holes. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> um, so how was Belle able to woo these men to travel so far and bestow upon her such grand gifts? So she was, Belle was what we would like to call a Wordsworth extraordinaire. She and, she and Andrew, for example, would write about 18 months nearly 100 letters before they met. And she, in one letter to Andrew... Hel- Helgelian. I am so sorry, Norway. Uh, she wrote, <clears throat> To the dearest friend in the world, no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. <laughs> it does not take one long to tell when to like a person and you I like better than anyone in the world I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world, we will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song, it is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. I love you. Come prepare to stay forever. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Mm, It's going to be a no from me, dog. (laughs) Come prepare to stay forever. I, mean, I feel these like that's keep... what the ghost on the Disney haunted house ride says to you. <laughs> right? Everyone listening that's single to this, to this is like, and I can't even get a text back. Anyway. <laughs> In another letter, she told him that she would make him a cream pudding. I am presenting that without any comment as I am a mature, responsible adult. <laughs> cream pudding. 
All right. So Andrew, <laughs> um, Andrew would eventually head out. Uh, I already mentioned. I think I might have already mentioned this in January of 1908. I have no idea what would possess you to go on a trip to Indian in January, but that's what happens. Um, Andrew went to get a $3,000 loan. The bank wouldn't give it to him. Instead, they approved him for a $1,200 loan. Banks haven't changed. Uh, Belle got her hands on the check. So the bank was like, we'll mail you the check. Okay. Like, we'll mail you the loan. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. Okay. And uh, Belle got her hands on this check before Andrew could see it. And just stole it. And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this check is taking so long from the bank. Why is it taking so damn long? Oh, my God. And then he disappeared. Yeah. Um, when his brother reached out via letter, um, Belle replies to him and says that she was shocked, too. And she was like, you should come help me look for him. Oh press God. X to doubt. Okay. Obviously, not all these men that came to visit are known. Uh, some may not have been reported missing because they didn't have anyone in their life, you know, to do that for them. Um, also, it's not like Bell was keeping records, keeping track of this stuff. I can't tell you every single story, um, but these are just a few. And Bell would get upward of like 10 letters from men a day after she posted this personal ad. This is like tinder for the 20th century <laughs> except she would actually reply to their letters so eventually too many men went missing uh and their families wanted answers from bell because they would mention oh i'm going to meet this widow in laporte indiana right and so to answer a personal ad and unlike earlier in her life bell sweet words could just not dissuade them perhaps out of fear Belle fired Ray Lamphere, that's one of her farmhands that had been working for her for a while, for trespassing on her farm is the rationale she gave. But, like, if he worked there, I don't understand. Yeah. I think he found something he wasn't meant to find, mm -hmm. is what I think. Um, and she hired Joe Maxson instead for a farmhand. Aslo was still Aslo Heligalian, Andrew's brother, was still waiting, was still writing to Belle and inquiring about his brother. While Belle decided to go to her attorney and make out her will after supposedly Ray Lamphere had allegedly threatened to kill her and her children and burn her house to the ground. And so she was like, well, just in case he does this, I'm going to set up my will. And I'm like, that seems too. I mean, she told people in the town that he was crazy, that no one should listen to a word he says that she thinks he should he she like tried to commit him to a mental institution and a lot of people think that she was just kind of covering her own ass because he had seen too much and knew too much and so she was just like oh don't believe him he's just you know crazy ray or whatever then something shady happened which i will explain after a word from our sponsors Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. 
Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code LISTENER5 at checkout. Valid until June 30th for new users on all modes of transport. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo. Plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Our second sponsor for our episode today is, of course, us. If you want to support us, you can do so at the $1, $3, $5, or $10 level on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Cordy's First Podcast. Um, I have recently decided that it is too damn hard to keep track of what tier gets what, like, bonus material. So everyone gets the same amount of bonus material. It's just some levels don't get discounts on merch or shout outs or the ability to pick an episode topic so investigate like those details more but you get up to four episodes a month so that's pretty sweet um and then if you're more comfortable just making a one-time donation even if it's just you know one dollar one time you can do that uh via paypal and the link to do that is on our website queersforfearspodcast.com thanks for your support Oh, man. Okay, so the suspense is palpable, so we're worried. Okay, so something extra shady happened. The fire. Another the fire one? Happens. What does she have? I guess she has a new farm now. I'm like, we already <laughs> burned <laughs> down her shop and her house. <laughs> DJ Gunness. Another one. <laughs> yeah, so the next morning, April 28th, 1908, at 4 in the morning, Joe Maxson woke up to the smell of smoke and tried to wake Belle and the family because the house was on fire. And so without success, he hurried to LaPorte and got the fire department to come put out the fire because, of course, this is before you could just, like, call 911 or whatever. You would actually, like, run. Okay, firefighter Ellie, I need your opinion okay. on this fire. Okay. So... This fire consumed the farmhouse where Belle lived with her three children, with her three children, right? Because Jenny had, you know, gone, gone to, to L.A. LA. Um, once the smoke cleared, the authorities did find the corpses of the children and a body of a woman. But in a weird twist, the head of this woman's body was missing. Nonetheless, it was presumed that these were the remains of Belle Gunness whose life of crime was believed to have started with, you know, insurance fraud with fires and ended this evening. Interestingly enough, though, like, several neighbors were like, that's not Belle, that's not Belle, that's not her. And um, they said, like, the remains didn't match Belle's height. Oh. Um, I think the bone, like the remains were 5'3 and Belle was around 5'7. I think they're also accounting for like how big an average head would be, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're not just like, oh, this body without a head is only 5'3 and than Belle's body with a head. Yeah, yeah. Seven. Like, well, no shit. Um, anyway, so um, after the fire, they found a lot more creepy stuff so a dozen men were called up to dig in the land which was a suspected burial ground by this point and since bell was already presumed dead they didn't really need a warrant or anything to do this Mm -hmm. so thousands gathered to just like watch what the hell they were digging up and there they found um unfortunately the body of jenny olsen as well as 
who was the foster kid, Mm -hmm. as well as the bodies of two additional unidentified children, a slew of suitors, and more. Um, The horrors found under the hog pen earned Balgunas nicknames like the Lady Bluebeard and the Laporte Ghoul. Um, Belle was gone, but her handyman, Ray Lemfear, remains. He is believed to have been her accomplice in disposing of the slain. Um, but the two kind of had this rocky relationship. You know, like I said, he was jealous of all the suitors. He acted like, you know, Belle owed him a, a wedding for everything that he did for her and yada yada. And, um, you know, when the farm burned down... Ray was brought in as a suspect for arson and for murder because he had just been fired from Bell's farm. Yep. Right? So there was not enough to convict Ray of murder, but there was he was convicted of arson. I think they had some like eyewitness testimony that he was uh, around the farm at the time that the fire was discovered. Um, but while he was behind prison, I think he was he was convicted of like upward of like 20 years in jail because the arson had caused death allegedly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, Ray never confessed to knowing that children and bell were inside the farm. Instead, he claimed that bell was a serial killer and that she was still alive and that she faked her own death. And that's why the corpse that was found was headless. Yep. And so, according to Lamphere, Belle had murdered her suitors by pouring poison in their coffee with dinner, probably strychnine, like I already mentioned. While her victim was weakened by the poison, she would split his skull with an axe. Yeah. Like, you can't just wait. Like, you can't just, like, wait for the poison or, like, give them more poison. Like, I don't... (laughs) Okay. Anyway, then she would haul her victim to the basement to butcher the body, which she was really good at because of life experience um then Lamphere said that she would feed some of the parts to the pigs and then the uh, some others were buried because like it's crazy like pigs will eat anything like they'll eat like most like maybe not like hair like from a scalp but they'll mm-hmm. eat like the majority of stuff poor pigs anyway. don't don't bring them in on this <laughs> i know don't make them eat you know people that's weird (laughs) um when the heat was on her from police because all these families were coming forward to be like um so and so said they were visiting this woman's farm and i haven't heard from them since so when bell kind of felt the heat and felt like things were kind of closing up around her um she packed up the money stolen from these people she smothered her children to death and then she fled for good leaving behind a corpse that looked like her enough mm-hmm. to fool the authorities. Um, he alleged that this headless cadaver belonged to a woman from Chicago who Bell had promised um, a job to be Bell's housekeeper. Totally possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamphere's story spread across n- newspapers nationwide. Like, this story got so much press and publicity. Like, people were just enraptured by this story and so years after this fire people would claim to spot bell in chicago san francisco new york los angeles um until 1931 Hmm. people were saying that they saw her 
And it was just like so weird. It's just like this like boogie woman who, you know, valued money more than anyone's any human's, you know, life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like um so when um they were still kind of investigating whose body this was, the police just told all portly women to stay inside so that no one would mistake them for being Bell Gunness. <laughs> And I was like, or you could just be better police. <laughs> Is that not on the table? No. Okay. So <laughs> um, so later in the ashes, they find a lower jawbone. And the dentist, the only dentist in town, this is LaPorte, Indiana. It's not a, it's a farming place. It's not very big. The only dentist in town looked at this and identified it positively as Belle. They also found rings on the fingers of this, of these remains, which people confirmed to be like have to have seen Belle wear. Mm-hmm. Um, one doctor presumed that she had been poisoned or that she poisoned herself, um, and died by suicide. But her death is still a bit of a mystery. They tried to exhume her body. In 2007, I guess, they had, like, an envelope that she had sent. So they were hoping to get DNA from the envelope, like, from the saliva that she had used to, like, seal the envelope. Um, But there wasn't enough DNA, and they could not determine if this body was that of Belle Gunness or not. Hmm. Um, So... All told on the Gunness Farm, it is said that Belle is responsible for between 14 and 40 deaths. A lot of the body, I saw some numbers go as high as 49 deaths. A lot of the bodies that were found on the farm were never identified. Um, What gave it away to authorities was that Ray was actually wearing Andrew's coat and had a watch of another man that had gone missing. Um, and he was like, oh, Belle just gave these to me as a gift. I had no idea they belonged to, like, one of her victims. <laughs> and so Ray took a plea bargain and pled guilty to arson. Gotcha. And so he was, he was sentenced two to 20 years. I have no idea how, how long he said. He's, he died in 1909 um, because his health just started rapidly deteriorating in prison. Um, so unfortunately he didn't give police maybe everything that he could have because he, his health just rapidly deteriorated. Um, eventually a witness came forward and said that Ray told him that Belle chloroformed her family. Um, it's impossible to know, but fun fact, the bodies of Belle's children and Belle were sent to Chicago. They are buried in River Forest Cemetery. Nobody attended the funeral, even Belle's sister, because she did not think that this was Belle, and she did not want to mourn the loss of these children by herself. Um, she thought that would be too hard. Fair. And if Belle did kill about 40 people, like some people claim that she did, that would give her... Um, a spot in the top five female serial killer lists in America and the United States. And um, that is Belle Gunness. That is everything I know about Belle Gunness. Thoughts. Opinions. Hmm. 
things that you think about these fires? I am interested in, like, how tempting it is to think that she got away with it. Like, why do we want her to have gotten away with it? Is it, like, just women serial killers are rare? Is it because, like, a little part of you is always slightly rooting for the bad guy? I don't know. But, like, I find it interesting how compelling the idea that she got away is. Um, Yeah. I wish I I wish we had more details about where quote unquote her body was found. Like is is it possible like her head got crushed under a wall that fell or something and that's why her body appeared to be headless or mm. or what? Like, you know. I think that theory is completely fair that maybe something fell on her. I also think it's fair to assume that the only dentist in town could have been easily bribed mm-hmm. to say that that jaw was work that he had done on Bell. Because obviously there were no records, really. Yeah, it's not. Um, yeah, like for, forensic science is not great even today. And back then, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I it's to me, it's like basically a toss up as to whether they were right about it being her body or not. Yeah, I do think that. Um, I don't know. I go back and forth because on the one hand, it's like she wanted power. So she wanted to go out on her own terms. And she knew that people were kind of putting together things that were happening on this Mm -hmm. farm. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it seems like she was a total narcissist. So, like, I'm not sure she would have wanted to stop doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. So. I really don't know. I think I think she did die in the fire and she just like I don't know, the dentist I don't know. Maybe the dentist got confused. If you're the only dentist in the county, like how the hell ha- and you don't have anything written down? <laughs> like how in the 19th in the 19th early 20th century, like when everyone's teeth were like fucking fucked up to high hell, like how are you going to know? I don't know. It just seems a little far-fetched that, like, a dentist would know by looking at a lower jaw. hmm And just, like, because, right, it's also, like, is this bell got... Did you ask the question, like, who does this jaw belong to? Or did you say, is this could bell got be... Yes yeah. or no? hmm Right? Because those are two completely different questions, and you're leading the witness in one way. So I guess we'll never know. But the good news is that the the LaPorte, Indiana Historical Society, you can see this farm where all this happened. And it's only like an hour and change from Chicago. So I might take a (laughs) road trip, a road trip and just check it out because what a wild story this is. So wild. That's a weird one. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. Um, Allie's going to tell you where you can find us on the internet. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon, Queers for Fears podcast. We are also on Twitter at Queers Fears pod, and we are on Gmail podcast, Queers for Fears at gmail.com. And we also have a, we also have a website. Is it Queers for Fears.com or Queers for Fears podcast.com? Queers for Fears podcast.com. Sweet. Whoop, whoop. Thank you so for listening. I'll stay queer. Don't answer letters in the mail and get murdered by (laughs) Gunness's ghost. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.